to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up center. Perry scoops. Corey Perry. Lilia able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. All right, we're back with another episode of the Forever Mighty Podcast on a Tuesday night, mm. well into the off season, rolling up what <laughs> with less than uh, two months until the regular season. Yeah, now yeah. at this point, I think so. Fifty some odd days or something like that. Yeah, we're we're getting there to uh, another <laughs> another season of disappointment and mm-hmm. uh, an off season where the Ducks haven't done much. The additions they've made have more so been on the AHL side. I, I think I can maybe name a couple of the guys they had. It was a Brogdon Rafferty and uh, Greg Pattern were the two guys I remembered. I think there was a few other guys that the Ducks signed. But uh, the big news we have to get to and what we'll get to on the show today is the re-signing of a couple key uh, RFAs for the Ducks, Maxim Comtois, Max Jones, Sam Steele, Isaac Linderstrom, and Josh Mahura, all re-signing new contracts for the upcoming season. Uh, the Ducks also signed their top three draft picks from the 2021 NHL entry draft. And we're going to get into a few articles from The Athletic from Eric Stevens where he looked at some remaining FA targets the the Ducks could, could go after before free agency ends and before the regular season starts. And another roster projection article probably one of many that uh, we'll see before the start of the season it's basically how the ducks ended last year there's there's really no new faces uh in the mix there but uh, how you guys doing it's been a while yeah, yeah doing living <laughs> surviving <laughs> that's about the best you can hope for around now <laughs> so uh, no, i i don't know man it's weird i <clears throat> it's funny i like every time we talk about we're going to do one of these or something like that, I keep thinking about what what we have to talk about, and I for some somehow I have convinced myself every night before I go to bed that I the next day I could wake up to an Eichel trade. Yeah, it's I, that ship has sailed for me now. Over. I don't. It's it's not even necessarily that I want it to be to Anaheim, but I want it to be over so bad because like, and this kind of I guess we'll get into kind of where we're headed or something like that but like it just feels like anaheim as a franchise and the roster as a whole right now is just stuck in limbo because there's two directions it could go right we heard from elliot friedman earlier in the summer that uh they were open to using their cap space to take on contracts and we know you know bob murray's you know i don't know that we want to like trust him saying he's gonna make trades or whatever obviously not but you know he's at least come out and put that somewhat of that pressure over himself. So I just feel like once Eichel is solved, that pretty much decides the way everything is going to go for the rest of the year. Yeah. I, I, man, I, 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 a couple weeks ago or about a month ago, like when we were really talking about this and then when the letter came out from his agent, I thought that was it. Like he's going to be moved within the week and you know whether it's Anaheim or Minnesota or the Rangers or whoever, like this, this has got to be it. But you know, I, I guess credit to Kevin Adams and the Sabers, like they've held their ground. Like they know they don't have to move this guy, and I didn't think that would be the route they would take. I know we've still got, uh, you know, a little bit less than two months before the start of the season, so so things could change. But it, it definitely has drawn on a lot longer than I thought it would, and. You know, whether that takes the Ducks out of the mix or not, we'll have to wait and see. But it, it's one scenario that like, I would still say I can't see it drawing on past the start of the season. But I also said it wouldn't go this long. So now I, you know, now I really don't know what it's going to take to really, <laughs> to really change anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like the Ducks are, are in that conversation, but everything's just kind of cooled off. And until someone comes back to it, go, okay. I'm willing to drop some of my price for Eichel or Bob Murray goes, okay, I'm willing to give you what I wasn't before. Cause I've got to do something here. Like right now they're just kind of separated, but I don't think there's a whole lot of other teams that are necessarily in the hunt, but 
I don't know. They've stuck to their their guns and not really moved their pricing on it, and they don't really care if they they don't have to move him because if he really wants to leave, he'll waive his no move trade. You know, later maybe they get even more of a bigger return at a trade deadline than trying to do it right now. So I, I feel like yeah, for them this is a lost season no matter what they do. So why why sell anything less than than what you think you can get for them? Yeah, I, I think the one thing about that is the longer he's in Buffalo, the longer he's not getting his surgery. Um, you know, he seems pretty dead set on not getting the surgery that Buffalo wants, and Buffalo seems pretty dead set on he should get the surgery that he doesn't want. So I don't think either of them are going to budge on that until, you know, the trade, unless there's some miracle happens right and he was like i oh, will rebuild or something like you know what i mean like unless something insane happens that causes eichel to stay out of nowhere i don't think any of that is changing and the longer his surgery is delayed i just wonder what that does to like his body but also like the just the perception of his body and like where he's at i don't know yeah when he can come back and, and you know the longer like you said the longer he waits does that impact you know how well he recovers from the surgery and how much damage is he doing by not getting anything done like all of that plays into it and it feels like we really don't know too much about the situation other than a few reports that have come out and i know on the 31 thoughts podcast they had uh, a doctor who kind of specialized i think it was eichel's pick and, and who he'd want to do the surgery who came on and talked about it but other than that we haven't really had a a ton of information on on kind of what this injury is what it will do to him if he doesn't get it fixed is sooner rather than later but we'll see i mean at some point it's going to be wrapped up um whether it's the start of the season Just, or not speaking of wrapped up how about those contracts the ducks signed <laughs> I got it. It's not even an Eichel. Uh, not even a show where we're talking about Jack Eichel to Anaheim, and we still still manage to slip Jack Eichel in there. You, no, you asked just how he's been, and that's just one of It's been keeping you up at night. Eh? I swear to God, one sentence thing. Just to answer DB's question, it is in the CBA that the team has final authority on all medical procedures for players. So that's why he can't just go fucking get it. He would breathe. In breach of contract, other shit. Anyways, I said one sentence. I'm sorry. All right, all right. Contracts, Ducks contracts <laughs> specifically. So I mentioned the five guys who the Ducks re-signed over the last uh, week and a half, two weeks now. I think it is. We'll start off with the big two. First one, Maxime Comtois. This was I, I forget what our contract prediction was for him um, because we did the the free agency prediction show. I think we had him a little. A little over one and a half, I think. Yeah, I, I think Evolving Hockey had him at two, two by two point four or something. So this was a little bit under that. But you know, honestly, if you if he was going to take a bridge deal, which I think a lot of us thought he would, uh, this is kind of what you would expect to come out of that, right? And, and he has the highest AAV of the f- of the five, which makes sense you know, based off the season he came off of. Two years gives him some time for him as a player to show last year wasn't a fluke. He can build off that and you know put together two solid seasons to hopefully get himself and what he expects is is a lot bigger contract with some more term. I, I think it's a deal out of all of them that makes the most sense for both the player and the team, where it gives the the Ducks some flexibility to look at what Comtois really is over the next two years, and it gives the player a chance himself to show that he's worth a lot more and and is kind of deserves to stick around longer than the two-year period so i i have i have no issues with any of these contracts but out of all of them this is the one i i think is you know a 50 50 split where it benefits both the team and the player yeah i i think it's a good signing uh by the ducks i mean this guy's gonna lead us in goal scoring you know last season i don't really <laughs> haven't really added anybody who's gonna make me think they're gonna you know overtake the goal scoring side of things i mean zegers could definitely be helpful in uh, facilitating points but as far as you know goals i think this is good so if your top school goal scorer is making two million if recovery kells your second one he's at three and a half that's hopefully you get a lot of goals out of it and that's really really helpful but i mean only two million for two years i think is a real solid deal for for uh come to on what he can do and and where he goes to score goals too because once again we don't have a lot of those players yeah I, I gotta be honest i'm 
I'm pretty surprised that it's not closer to two and a half for Comtois, um, especially on a two-year deal. Like, like Jay said, like you know, he was he led the team in goals and points last year. Like he he had a little bit of leverage, but I don't. I wonder if he didn't want to go term, and they did, and so he gave up, you know, cap hit to get like a two-year thing. And I think. You know, like you said, uh, Ed, it, it makes sense for both parties, right? It gives Comtois two years to just see how much he can do, how high he can get. He has a locked-in two-year window, um, you know, to try to be able to become that legitimate top-line player. And for the Ducks, it gives them two years to let him see if he does it, and it's not going to cost him very much if he does. And if he does, right, like, if he doesn't become the guy, then the cap it's not going to go up significantly. If he does become the guy... By the time they have to pay him, it's going to be worth it. Yeah, yeah, they'll be. And they're still, still going to have it for the next, you know, four or five years of his prime. Yeah, is he still RFA after this? He is, yeah, right? he should. Be. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, like I could see the point there. I think you know, if if we're saying the Ducks were looking for term, I I could definitely see them potentially looking for a three year deal and and at something around two and a half, three million, where they're willing to give him a little bit more. Uh, on a you know an average annual value, but they get that extra year out of it, right? Where Comtois could have wanted the two years, so that kind of comes at a, a reduced cost uh, for him in, in terms of what he's going to earn. I could see that being a possible scenario. We've seen the Ducks favor three-year deals in the past. I, I believe what Terry, when he came out of his uh, entry-level contract, he signed a three-year deal. Obviously, Max Jones signed a three-year deal as well. Um, so they, they tend to kind of gravitate towards those three-year deals when it when they treat it as a bridge or you know the in-between to kind of figure out what a player is they like to go that three-year deal route so this would make sense uh going with your point there that Comtois wanted a bit of a shorter term uh to kind of prove what he is and for the Ducks that comes at a lower cap hit so yeah absolutely I think he's trying to maximize his earning potential and i think that's smart you know if he's going to be worth a a big deal it's going to be proven in these next two years so just take it now see if you can stick around with zegras and put up a shit ton of points and you know get your payday yeah yeah that's the thing too like he's going to be playing with trevor zegras you look at the chemistry of of him terry and come at the end of the year right like that is that is the best spot you want to be for Maxim Comtois. If you're trying to maximize what your potential could be over the next couple of years, you know for sure, at least next year and probably into the following year, you're going to be playing with Trevor Zegras. But you go into that third year and we look at guys like Perot and a few other guys, maybe McTavish at that point, who start to come in the lineup, the certainty that he would play alongside Trevor Zegras in that third year, I think goes down a little bit. Now, obviously, if he's doing well and there's chemistry there, you're going to stick there. But the longer you stretch it out and the more guys and the more talented players you continue to add into this lineup, the likelihood that he retains that spot over a longer period of time, I think, goes down. So it's smart for for Comtois to take that two-year deal, I think, versus a three-year deal and and know for sure next year he's slotting beside Zegras and has the best chance to, again, lead the Ducks in scoring playing with their best playmaker and then obviously heading into that second year if he does well in in uh in this upcoming season he's got that chance again to impress and go into a contract year and set himself up for uh what we would all hope would be a, a long-term contract at a, at a higher cap rate because that would mean he's he's improved and impressed over the next two years mm-hmm. yeah absolutely all right max jones this is um this one is, well, you know, actually, I think we should get to Max Jones after because I want to reference Max Jones with Sam Steele and, and Isaac Lindstrom. So we'll we'll start with with those two because they had completely identical contracts because they accepted their qualifying offers from the Ducks, which I don't think we see this like too often. Now I, I'm not always in tune with some of the other teams and, and players there accepting their qualifying offers, but I don't remember the last player we had for the Ducks that accepted their qualifying offer as an RFA. And it's an interesting move because I think the Ducks would have liked to explore a Max Jones or Josh Mahura type contract here where it was two or three years to lock these guys up for the next couple of years at a, at a lower cap it and have a bit more control over them. But for Steele and Lundstrom, it's just the one year at 875000 And uh, maybe more so for Steele than Lundstrom, but I think you can apply it to both. It, it really feels like a prove it, go out there and show that you deserve to, to have a roster spot type season. Sam Steele didn't have the greatest year, and 
Isaac Lindstrom, I think, was impressive at, at times. Consistency was a bit of an issue, but even he couldn't stick in the lineup throughout the entire year, uh, you know, in and out of the lineup at times, healthy scratch at times. It, it really is a year that these guys have to come out and show that they can take a, a top-nine roster spot and, and really prove it. And the one-year deal emphasizes that a bit. Maybe it's a bit of motivation for both of them to go out there and get it done. Yeah, I, I would say exactly the same thing. It's like, all right, listen, we've we've kind of let this go on for a little bit. We've, we've seen some things that we like, but a lot of things we definitely want to see improvement on. So we're not going to uh, commit ourselves to a much I – don't, I don't think they really want to necessarily commit themselves to too much more. I think they're pretty much like, listen, got to grow up. This, this group has got to move forward, and, and whoever is straggling behind, we, we are drafting pretty high right now, and we got some good talent coming through the other way. So earn your spot, do it quick, because your window is kind of shutting for us. So, um, you know, it's it's not a lot of money, and, you know, like I said, it's just uh, it's a prove it to me, shit. now or never. So I got to say, I, I completely disagree with you guys. I think the club has nothing to do with it. Um, you know, a qualifying offer is simply the offer that a team has to submit in order to keep uh, a player's restricted free agent rights. Um, and obviously we know that there are conversations behind the line because they've had the opportunity to negotiate an extension anyways. But the qualifying offer was going to be what it was. The team just has to extend that in order to keep the negotiating rights. I think what we see, what we're seeing here is we're seeing two players take a tremendous bet on themselves, saying, I'm going to take the low cap hit for one year, and at the end of next year, I'm going to be the real deal, and I'm going to get paid. I think this is ballsy on both of their parts. I absolutely think they could have gotten two or three-year deals at, you know, whatever kind of a cap hit. But I, I, this is actually kind of cool to me, I think. It's kind of exciting just given that it seems like two players who everyone wants to be something, you know, um, you know, I'm a Lundestrom fanboy. Everybody knows that. So mm -hmm. I, I just think it's really cool to see two young players bet on themselves and say, I'm going to be worth quite a bit of money next year. Yeah, no, I, Jeez, well, I, I completely agree yeah. with you there. Like I, I think it's more so a prove it deal from, from the players. Cause yeah, obviously, like you said, it, it isn't a, it isn't like the, the team, expected them to accept their qualifying offers like this is Lindstrom is still like you said betting on themselves but I still think it's a prove-it deal from their standpoint like they are going out there oh, 100%. yeah they're, they're going out there expecting that they're going to have bigger years to lock themselves into a longer term contract with more money and if you're gonna have any year to do that it's next year because there aren't a lot of guys in their way necessarily to get into that you know top six roster spot uh for sam Steele and isaac lindstrom if they both want to play in the center position there's a little bit of a log jam of uh getzlaff henrik and zegris in front of you both of them have played on the wing i think you know one of them if not both of them will have to play on the wing this year if they're looking to take that step forward Steel. yeah yeah sam sam Steele would would probably be my bet we, we had a lengthy podcast about this earlier during the season about talking about shifting Sam Steele to the wing and whether Isaac Lindstrom, um, his long-term position is at center. I think we'll see a lot of that this year and what, what their plans are and what the players are, are you know, expecting to, to happen for this year. But yeah, it, it is a, a bet from both of them, which you don't see that often um, in, in guys accepting that qualifying offer and shying away from a longer term deal. Um, it's going to be on them. And, and it, it is a bit exciting for both of them, right, in, in that sense that they are going into this season with expectations on them put upon them by themselves to go out and, and produce and, for Steele's case, live up to that first-round pick. Or I guess Lindstrom was a first-round pick as well. So for both of them to, to live up to that first-round pick tagline and and start to you know have that progression that we've seen in Terry and Comtois and, to some extent, Jones as well and, and kind of start to live up to those guys. Yeah, become meaningful uh, NFL, uh, NHL yeah. players. Yeah, Sorry, uh, no, no, I just sure, <laughs> but I, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith that they're gonna that uh, it's necessarily the smartest bet. I mean, yeah. bet on yourself; they know themselves better. But I, my thought is just that I don't think they were gonna get out a whole of a hell lot more for what they've what they've done and the lack of progress they've shown. So um, I don't I know. Mean, it's, I mean, I mean, good luck to him, but I, I just... Last year. 
I just don't I just don't see it. Nothing I saw last year makes me think these guys are on the cusp of, of a breakthrough year now. I mean, they can work a lot harder and a lot longer in this offseason and you know, surprise surprise anybody, but um they just it just never seemed to be a, anything that made me go like, all right, these guys they're almost there. They're gonna turn that corner anytime now. I don't know if I, I mean, don't know I, if Lindstrom took a huge step forward last year. I, I think he yeah. played more games and I I, I think we yeah we we saw more of what we've seen from him already. I don't know if we saw more of a, of his skill set develop. Like he had six goals and three assists. One of them was a hat trick night, which I mean it's impressive. Yeah, but in it's more speed than I thought that that he had. Yeah, he at least showed me that he was a little bit faster than what I what I thought he was going to be. Yeah. So he at least improved in that area, but well, still, I we just, get to watch him for forty one games last year compared to fifteen prior to that, right? So you got to see him a bit more jump up and down throughout the lineup. You could you start to kind of understand what he has in his game, what skill set he has. And the thing for me that still worries me is the offensive consistency is just not there. And he didn't really take any steps forward to getting there last year. You know, he had nine points in forty one games. Like I said, that the Hatcher game was was great and that felt like it could be a breakout moment for him. And then it just wasn't. Right, it things just kind of scored. And he only scored in three other games. Yeah, think. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's that's more than fair. I just think for me, like he looked much more like an NHL player last year than he had before. And I I, I definitely think you're there. There's something to what you're saying. Is he just played more games, so you had more of an opportunity to look at him? Um. But I, I do think he took a step forward and, you know, maybe huge leap is like, you know, me just being dramatic. But, like, I, I think he took a sizable step forward last year. And I, I, he's definitely, like, someone that I am expecting to be something this year if he's going to be something. So. Yeah, I, I'm, like, I'm more optimistic about. Isaac Linderstrom taking a step forward and securing a roster spot over Sam Steele, but I'm more excited to see Sam Steele with the pressure he's putting on himself. I, I still think he has a higher ceiling than Isaac Linderstrom. I, I, th- I just don't, I don't know what's in the way because he doesn't look like the player we saw even in his rookie season, right? Where he put up 11 points in 22 games. He looks like what we what we heard from Dallas Higgins. He's trying to figure something yeah, the, out. He's still trying to figure the, it out. The Ducks have said they want him to be a checking center, which I don't think he should be. If anybody should be a checking center here, I think it should be Isaac Lindstrom. And Sam Steele maybe should be shifted to the wing and be a bit more of a playmaker more than anything. And a guy who he can win face off. So in a pinch, if you need to move him to, to, to center, you play him on the wing with a guy who's maybe not as adept in the face-off circle. So if he does get booted out, you've got a guy who can come in and, and do a job there. I, I just feel like Sam Steele, outside of his rookie season, has been maybe misutilized a little bit. Whether that changes this year, you know, it might not. But I, I think this will light a spark under him that will really prove whether he's got what it takes to stick around. Mm-hmm. And this will be the decision-making year more so for him than Isaac Lindstrom. I think, you know, Lindstrom's two years younger. I think if he has a bad year this year, he still has the intangibles on the defensive side of the game to stick around and get another shot with the Ducks. This feels like for Sam Steele, it's the make-or-break year. Whether he takes the steps forward he needs to or not means he might not be here at the end of next year if he doesn't. And and for Isaac Lindstrom, I don't get that sense. But for Sam Steele, it, it it's starting to kind of feel that way at twenty three and twenty four by the the time the season is over, that mm-hmm. he just they just might move on from him or, or trade him or whatever. Yeah. I'm thinking trade. I'm thinking from the closer we get to that trade deadline, I think they're they're both trade bait. But I think uh, Sam Steele probably has more value to trade. He's got the history, right? Like there are GMs out there who will remember that this guy was CHL Player of the Year and a former first round pick, and there will be always be guys who are willing to take a shot on a player like that. And maybe he just—I mean, look how many times have we seen Alex Galchenyuk get a shot? Right, exactly. And you know, teams will look at that and say, "Well, maybe he just needs to change the scenery," like the 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 (laughs) cliche we hear every year. And it'll be a guy, no matter how bad he's doing at the deadline. Somebody will pay something for him because of that. 
because they think they can unlock the potential that the Ducks haven't been able to do. I mean, hopefully we're not talking about that. Hopefully this year we're talking about how Sam Steele took a major step forward and yeah. became a key player for this team. But if that's not sure. the case, I hold my breath. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think there's a chance that uh, there's there's still teams who will be interested in him. Yeah, and I think a new situation, you're looking at someone who is probably more likely to be willing to move around because the situation has changed. Um, you know, I, I I really do keep comparing him to Andrew Cogliano. Like, I think that's that's just kind of what you're looking at. Like, I think if he gets traded, he's going to end up being, you know, a third-line winger. And he's going to be responsible and all that kind of stuff and smart, and he's going to do a good job. So, All right. Let's move on to Max Jones now that we can kind of reference that. So a bit surprising that Max Jones didn't maybe go the same route as Sam Steele and Isaac Lindstrom and went for a bit more security for himself here and took the three-year deal at just under $1.3 million. I think already he's worth that for what he brings to this team. The fact that the Ducks now have him locked into that for the next three years is great because <laughs> you can keep him around, even if he's a fourth line energy guy. Like that is still that's not a bad that's not a bad contract, contract yeah. to to have him locked in at, at under one point three for the next three years. So that you know, in terms of value for the the team, this is my favorite contract because I think I think he took a, a decent step forward last year. I I think offensively we're still trying to figure out what he can be. But when we look at the rush on players like Barkley Goodrow and, you know, I guess to some extent Ryan Reeves, but you know what I mean, the, the hard-checking third-line energy guys, that's what Max Jones will likely become at the very low end of, of his potential. And to have a guy locked in like that for the next three years at, at under $1.3 million is, is a good get for the Ducks. And the fact that he, you know, is a, a, a home-developed player, they drafted him, developed him themselves – it's better than going out and paying $3.7 million for Barkley Goodrow to have a guy like this stick around and, and be part of the team. No, and I like everything that he brings uh, to the Ducks, especially since the Ducks don't have players like him on the lineup. Um, and, yeah, you can't really beat that that 1.3, essentially $1.3 million for the next three years because even if it doesn't pan out and he stays at that lower end, that style of play is really valuable to other teams. And at that contract and um, price point, uh, he would be very, very attractive in a trade should it go that route. I really hope it doesn't. As high as we are on um, – Steven is on Lundstrom. I'm that high on – Max Jones, I don't need him to be, you know, you know, I like it, but I don't expect him to be a 50-point getter, a 40-point getter. That 30, if he can get to double digits in goals, but he can be an agitator, get in the way, create room for other people, and and just be in front of the net on a power play, which we need desperately, just some sort of net front presence on some of that stuff. I think it's a very intangible thing that he brings to the team that we need and at just a really good contract for hopefully three years, you know. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. I honestly would have been perfectly fine taking a, the David Apoyle approach and giving him, you know, something that feels a little silly now but plays out down the road. Like, I think it was Callie Yarncroft got like an 8 by 2.5 or something. Yeah. You know, I, I would have given that. I would have given him that, like, 8 by 2 8 by 2.2 like, something like that. Like, I would 100% give him that and just be like, yo, I, let's just agree right now this is what this is, and you just go out and ball out. And just see what happens because I couldn't agree with Jay Moore. He has, he just brings a lot of, you know, kind of intangibles to the team that I think they need. He goes hard to the net. He's willing to mix it up. He never shuts up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just think, you know, he, he, he's not necessarily like a fighter, but we know he's not afraid to throw him. You know, I just think he's also got upside that could lead to him you know maybe being 15 to 20 goals a year you yeah. know maybe five six goals are on the power play right if you put him on a second power play unit and you put him in a position to just go to the front of the net and cause kind of chaos yeah. i don't think that's a terrible idea at all yeah and i think he figured it out too like if he figured out what his role was i think for a couple of years they were like man he's getting all these chances he should be burying them and then well what's he gonna do and then once like last year he figured it out i'm just gonna go front of the net and just 
be an a-hole and uh it, yeah. things will work its way out and that's exactly what it is and he seemed to embrace it and, and enjoy it so you know he's happy he understands where he is where his contract point should be and how he can help the team so that's just a good good all, all around match yeah, if he becomes a yeah. 10 to 15 goal 10 to 15 assist type guy and pl- still plays the way that he does. You know, he's a big guy, six foot three, over two, I think over two twenty now. He's fast. He's physical. He's a you know. he's faster than you yeah, think he is. Yeah, too. that's the thing. Like I was surprised a couple of times last season by his just just foot speed. I was like, oh. There was one play. Uh, I think he scored on it where. He started from his own blue line. He blew by everybody against the Sharks. I'm trying to remember what game it was, but he blew by somebody, got the puck, picked it up. Probably and, Carlson. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at this point. Uh, but he, I think he picked it up and buried it, or at least got a good chance out of it. But that play stuck out for me because I remember when we were doing post-game shows, writing down, like, okay, like this kid's fast. And we, we sometimes forget how fast he is because he just doesn't get a lot of chances like that in-game. But... You you just he has the highest floor out of any of the guys we've talked about here in, in terms of Steele and Lindstrom. Maybe not Maxim come to up, but he's just you yeah. just know no matter what, even if things go south for him offensively, you just see a role for him. You know what he's going to be able to do for this team, and he's going to be an energy guy you could throw out there. And whether it's a fourth line or a third line, whatever, you know he's going to do a job for you, and can chip in every now and then offensively because he does have a decent shot. He's got good hands for a guy of his size. And you know, even if he doesn't fulfill the first round pick potential and become a you know twenty goal scorer and a forty fifty point guy, you you know where he could fit in this team in the future. It's like Zegras and Terry and McTavish and Perot and, and a lot of the skilled forwards that the Ducks do have. He uh, he, he he will just find a role. And we look at the the run on guys like this in the off season this year. Uh, it's nice to lock a guy like that up that uh, you you draft and develop yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think if you ask most Ducks fans which of those four is most likely to be on this team in six years, I think most people would pick Jones. Um, Like you said, he's got the highest floor. He's the easiest to project as an NHL player. Um, And he does have, you know, the hands and the playmaking ability to, to surprise you. And, you know, it's to be seen how much of that, you know, is can turn into something consistent. And even if it doesn't, though, he has enough of, uh, tool sets and skills otherwise to be able to carve out a good role for himself in the NHL. So. All right, we'll we'll briefly touch on Josh Maher here. I it, not as as in depth as, as the other contracts. Just a, a simple two by, I guess, kind of league minimum seven fifty, uh, seven hundred fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. It's a two way deal. Uh, a guy who likely starts the year in San Diego. Um, and yeah, and and it could be <laughs> fairly similar to his year last year, where he's up and down every now and then, didn't play a ton of games. Um, it, it feels like we're getting to like crunch time with Josh Mahura on whether he's going to be able to lock down a spot or not. I know he's got a lot of guys in front of him, and specifically Lindholm and Fowler when they're healthy. Like the real only spot for Mahura to jump in is that bottom pair, left side of defense. And there's a lot of guys fighting for that spot. And, you know, healthy Brendan Gooley this year, uh, Jack of Larson, among others that are going to be battling out for that spot. It's it. This con doesn't bode well for what his his season could look like if he wants to to take a roster spot. Basically, if he does get a chance, he's going to have to to take those you know the small chances that that he gets, and he's going to have to impress in preseason and impress in in the rookie tournament if he ends up playing there. Uh, on if he really wants a chance of of sticking around and playing, you know, 40, 50, 60 games this year. Yes, it's a nothing signing. It's just filler, yeah. I think. You, you just you have to sign him because he still has potential, yeah. but it, it's a it, the contract that makes sense because he hasn't proven anything yet, right? It's just extending basically right. extending his entry level contract for two more years. Yeah, right now he is an incredibly raw skill set, and there is nothing, no way to tell if that's going to turn into anything meaningful at the NHL level uh, other than time. You know, if you ask me right now, I, I'm not particularly keen on it. Like, you can see when he's out there some of the stuff, you know, that got him the looks and got him the opportunities, but I don't know that he's making any particular plays in any game that's really forcing anybody's hand when it comes to giving him a guaranteed 20 games in the NHL this year. Nope. He's, uh, 
<laughs> we're all saying we're all saying it's, uh, i had to do it so <laughs> all right uh let's quickly touch on the the ducks did sign their top three draft picks from the 2021 nhl entry draft so mason mctavish signed his entry-level contract that and, and uh olin zellweger also signed his that's pretty customary for chl guys they can sign their contracts still go back to the chl and play um so why not lock them up sooner rather than later that's just usually the case for these guys i think we saw the king sign brant clark and a few other teams signed their their chl guys but the big surprising one was sasha pastuyov signing his entry-level contract because he was supposed to be going to the ncaa with notre dame but signing a pro contract means he can't return to the ncaa um, just similar to, to Zegras's situation, right? When he signed his uh, his contract with the Ducks, that meant he couldn't go back to Boston University, so it was AHL or NHL for him. For Pastuyev, he is now not going to Notre Dame because he signed his contract and is going to the OHL to play with the Guelph Storm, which there's been some rumors it was because, you know, the dangling of a signing bonus was too good to pass up. Um whether he thinks the OHL is a better spot for his development over the NCAA, that's up to him. Notre Dame had a, a pretty decent team, but that that was kind of the surprising one for me. And it'll be interesting to see uh, to see how he you know pushes himself in the OHL. I mean, it, it would mean he's going to get a lot more time and space, a lot more opportunity than he would in the NCAA, and the numbers he could put up in that league could be pretty scary. So that could be fun for us to watch, but it. Uh, I think his development might have been better served in the NCAA and staying there, but uh, still nice to have all three of these guys locked down and, and under contract for the next three years. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one, right? We talked about Steele and Lundestrom kind of betting on themselves, and I, I wonder if that's what Pastuyov is doing. You know, I, if it is just as simple as a signing bonus, good for him. <laughs> that rocks. I have no problem with that. But, you know... If he thinks maybe he can go into camp and make a name for himself, like, good for him. Like, I think, you know, just looking at pictures of him, I still think he's probably got another 15 pounds to put on, and he's probably going to need to work on his skating at a level higher than uh, what... Uh, I just think there's there's still enough improvement that needs to be made there that he's not going to probably walk into an NHL, you know, thing. Obviously, he fell out third round for a reason. Um but it does also give him, I believe, a chance to play in the AHL, right? Uh, so he's kind of got three three options for leagues that he can play in next year. Did they announce that? I can't remember. Did they? I can't. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but I, I know there was something that came out that the CHL and the AHL were working on something. I can't remember what was established there. In, in normal rules, it would mean he wouldn't be able to. It's either CHL or NHL, but I, I don't remember if they... They carried over those rules that allowed Drysdale to play in the AHL uh, last year or not. But, I mean, the, the, the one bonus is it means he can come to rookie camp and he can play in the rookie mm-hmm. tournament because if he was going to Notre Dame, just like when Zegras was at Boston University, he couldn't come. Any of the NCAA guys just can't come to rookie camp because they're not under contract, they're not professionals, so they're not allowed to. That means... Pistuyav will be able to join McTavish and Zellweger at rookie camp and show what he can do, and we'll get a good look at uh, what he can do against you know some of the top peers and, and some of the Ducks' top prospects, which will be nice to see that because you know he, by a lot of people, was considered one of the steals of the draft, and for him to play with some of the Ducks' top prospects and go against you know some of the top prospects from the Kings and the Sharks and the Coyotes and everybody else in that tournament, it'll be interesting to see how he does there and potentially playing with guys like Zegras and Perot and, and whoever else is at that tournament with Tavish and, and seeing what kind of chemistry he can build early on with some of those guys. So that will be a nice treat that maybe we weren't expecting uh, to have from him. So, Yeah. Um, sorry. I know you nothing about prospects. So uh, <laughs> I'm not, not going to just no. say <laughs> We just no, had no, to mention it because it, it was uh, no, a, I, a bit of an interesting uh, you know, change of pace. He was supposed to go one place yeah. and, and switch where he was going. So for a yeah. guy... I saw... Go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, I, I saw Cam Robinson on Twitter made a comment um, that... You know, the level of competition won't be as high, but he will get into a professional-style schedule sooner 
Um, and so that could be a benefit. And, you know, there's no, there's something to be said for just going and eating for a year yeah. as an overage. Yeah, and, so. and working with NHL trainers and a guy who needs to work on his skating, uh, there's no better place to work on your skating than working with the guys you know, with the Ducks organization rather than working with guys in college. And that's not to say the guys at Notre Dame can't help him, but to be able to start training now yeah, with the gonna, Ducks guys yeah. and getting them on the skating, yeah, getting them on the regimen that they want him to get on sooner rather than later is better, right? So that... Plus, school's boring. It just gets in the way of playing <laughs> hockey and Now we're going to have to talk about how he has uh, character issues because he didn't <laughs> want to go to school, right? So... Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, at least you don't have to worry about him going to museums. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now New Jersey has that problem. So, uh, we were going to talk about uh, the remaining FAs uh, from Eric Stevens' article. Um, a few guys that we're going to touch on were Ryan Donato, Alex Galchenyuk, Dominic Cahoon, and Bobby Ryan. Uh, I think we're going to skip that because we're trying to we get out of here in the, in the next seven or eight minutes. So. I want to go over uh, Eric Stevens' most recent article here, the roster projection. Uh, the sad thing is it looks a lot like last year because not much has changed. Um, posted the the article in here, uh, but I'll, I'll get your guys' thoughts on on you know his projected roster and uh, and what changes you think could happen here. But Eric Stevens had the lineup as a first line of Comtois, Zegras, Terry, a second line of Adam Henrique on left wing with Getzlaff and Raquel, a third line of Jones, Lindstrom, and Silverberg. A fourth line of Derek Grant on the left with Sam Steele on the middle and Sam Carrick on the right. So a few guys we left off there. Uh, I'd have to, to pull it up. But guys like uh, Delorier left off. Yeah, Milano, Delorier, Volkov all left off. Um, I think that was it for, for main guys. Yeah, so it's just those three left off. How, how close would your starting uh, 12 forwards be to his? And would you include any of those guys you mentioned or anybody else in that starting 12? I would keep that top line. I think that's that's pretty intact, just the way that they played towards the end of last season and what I think they can do kind of moving forward. Um, I'm not so sure that they're going to want to necessarily put uh, Henrique onto the, the wing when they could probably establish him as that second center and have Getzloff down as the third. I think you could maybe move uh, Ludstrom off to one of the sides. I'd rather have Volkov in there. And I think down at the bottom, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, Grant could play wing. That's fine. Um, I think Sam Carrick probably comes out and Delorier's in there because I just don't see them not, not putting him in there um, just for the, the mere fact that he – actually does score goals oddly enough on that fourth line but he also is just that huge deterrent so uh, i can see some reshuffling in and around the center position mostly and plugging in some wingers here and there but you know i, I think they're always that they're all going to be kind of just intermingled and interchanged depending on their opponent what do you think steven yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the reality of it is, is you're just polishing a turd, right, this next season. Like, unless something crazy happens, it's just polishing a turd. But to whatever effect it matters, like, this is pretty close to the kind of color I like on my turd, man. Like, you know, I think there's there's no way to put Adam Henrique at center. I don't think it makes any sense. I think you need to give Lundestrom and Steele both plenty of opportunities to prove that they belong at that position in the NHL level. So I think put like I actually kind of really like that second line of Henry Getzloff and Raquel. Like I, I really think that's a line that could work well enough together, especially because, you know, Henrik and Raquel are still relatively young enough that they can do a lot of like you know skating and manual labor on there, and Getzloff can just be a reliable, you know, pivot and help create and things like that. Um, the rest of it I really you know don't have any issues with. I think I'd probably prefer. Uh, Volkov over Grant, and I would be curious to a Volkov steal Milano line. But I love, we talked about it at the end of last year. We all like Carrick. You know, I think having Carrick in that lineup makes a lot of sense. Um, I think Sam Steele still deserves the opportunity, and uh, Derek Grant's not coming out of the lineup. 
So, you know, one of him or D'Lo is going to be in the lineup every night. Yeah. So, yeah, that, you know, all things considered, I, I don't think that's the worst way. That that, that was my only suggestion was going to be removing Grant and Carrick for Milano and Volkov and, and just going for a full skill lineup. I, I think if you already know and what we expect, the Ducks are going to be a bad team. Why not play all the guys who have potential to maybe give a little bit more? Right. We know what Grant's going to give. We know what Deloria is going to give. And as much as I love Sam Carrick, we know what Sam Carrick's going to give. Right. Those are typical fourth line grinding energy type guys. We know what they're going to give. They're at the point in their careers that that is kind of right. And what they're going to be able to provide. And for Sam Steele, like it, if we want him to have a good year, playing him with Grant and, and Sam Carrick is maybe not the, the best. Isn't right? the way to and do it. And putting him with a creative player like Sonny Milano and a finisher like Alexander Volkov is probably the best thing for his development. Other than that, like I like the top nine. I, I like how it's set up. I think Silverberg playing with Lindstrom and Jones is a really interesting line we haven't really seen. Obviously, that top line is going to stay together. And then kind of throwing all the, the veteran core guys on that second line is, is kind of just making do with what, what you have left there. And those guys kind of need to play top six minutes. So shifting Henry to the wing makes sense. But yeah, my only my only change there would be would be putting Milano in and uh, and Volkov in and just seeing what you have with those guys. And and uh Is there is there any forward that didn't make the NHL last year that you think might have a chance at cracking this? I think you know my answer. Like, is yeah, you boy? know my answer. It's yeah. uh it's Benoit yeah. Benoit Olivier Grew, I think is the uh the one guy who could uh could crack the roster here. Like I know Eric Stevens listed Jacob Perot as a, a guy who could, but uh, if the OHL, like we just talked about with uh, McTavish and, and Zellweger, if, if they uh, end up not allowing guys to return to the AHL, he'll be back with Sarnia. So that won't even be a guy. Braden Tracy will be back with uh, Victoria OHL. So it really just comes down to Benoit Olivier Gru is really the only interesting, intriguing option that will be in San Diego who could come up and play. I think it'll be really hard for him to take over from the guys we already mentioned here but he could be a guy that obviously starts the year in san diego and if he takes some real big step forward and, and gets close to a point per game or or a little bit under that in the ahl if there's some injuries he could kind of push his way into the lineup so he yeah he, he'd be my only guy that uh, anybody that didn't play last year in the nhl that could take a step forward this year and jump right. in so all right let's uh Hit us with the defense. Yeah, let's move on to the defense because nothing really changes here. Uh, Lindholm, Manson, Fowler, Drysdale, Larson, Shattenkirk are the guys that uh, Eric Stevens had together. Uh, I mean, nothing really surprising of the five guys there in terms of Shattenkirk, Drysdale, Manson, Lindholm, Fowler, um, and then Larson taking up that, uh, that number six spot. And it, it's really between him, Mahura, Gooley, Maybe, maybe Simon Benoit, but it's it's really between him, uh, Mahara, and Gooley, I think, for that that final number six spot, and who's going to take it? Go Benoit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you can't really argue it. There's there's no one really kind of moving in the other top five out, um, and it was just uh, interchange that sixth one, you know, just. They see if someone gets uh, chemistry, if someone doesn't F up, and then they get to keep it. Someone gets injured, plug someone else in, and that's about it. But it's it's good. I'm glad that they kind of put Chet Kirk all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe they don't put him against, you know, maybe the top talent and let maybe Drysdale uh, uh, get a little bit more of that um, that opportunity to show kind of what he can do and see, see if he can build off of what he did last year, which is – the expectation that he'll just build off of it, get better, uh, and uh, be able to log more of those minutes. And then, who knows, maybe that <clears throat> releases uh, Shattenkirk for a little bit to maybe kind of focus a little bit more on why he's there, and that's to help facilitate some offense. But uh, I'm not going to hold my breath on that either. Yeah, Sorry. I mean, I think if the last two years were – any indication uh i think the player most likely to come up is cody Curran. yeah um you know 31 he got his one year on north american ice and all that crap and you know now maybe the guy steps up you know he's 31 he's making a million bucks like i don't think it's out of the question especially if larson fails to impress and 
I think the contract, like we said, doesn't show a lot of faith in Mahara to begin with. Um, so I, I think Cody Curran would be the one for me. Uh, but, you know, obviously I wouldn't have a problem uh, bringing up Yeah, I, I knew that was coming. Uh, incredible. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. You got to say Benoit Gruel. No, no. Hunter Jewett would, would, would be my, my guy outside of the, the you know three other guys we mentioned here uh, of uh, – I've, you know, same with Gru is a, a guy who didn't play in the NHL last year who could take the step forward and, and make it this year. Uh, he's got to get a shot at some point, right? Because especially if Manson gets moved, yeah. Because the the Ducks don't really have a player like those two guys on defense of uh, a guy who's going to play on the edge and, and physical. I would love to just see what he would do in his NHL debut because I feel like there's a fight in there for sure. Uh, he's going to throw oh a couple big hits. You would get like <laughs> it would rock. He would go out. He would. There would one hundred percent be a play where he would take himself out of the play to throw a hit. They would score a goal, and I would come on the podcast screaming, screaming, and raving about how great that hit was, and that was all I cared about. I, I would love to. Probably would have scored anyways. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see a Fowler Hunter Drew pairing and just see how that goes. Oh, we'll, we'll see. Burn, let's burn this and down. Why not? Let's do it. Shane, <laughs> Shane Wright season, but. Uh, <laughs> that uh, that brings us to the end of, of the show today. We just wanted to get on here. I know there's a, a, some news, obviously, the signings um, that we wanted to cover before was really, really old news. Um, but we're, we'll have a few more shows coming up. We're, we're working on some interviews um, with some writers and a few different uh, people as well. We're working on interviews with some of the Ducks' recent draft picks, but just had to wait for them to either get with the teams that they're going to be playing with or finish uh in in a few of the, their cases they were playing in international tournaments so we had to wait for them to get back for that so we're working on some of those interviews as well so we've got that upcoming and uh, eventually our season preview because that's coming coming up pretty quickly here so probably near the end of september uh we'll be coming with uh with our season preview not just for the ducks but we'll also likely have uh our regular annual patreon episode where we break down our predictions for the uh the divisions and the standings and who's going to win the president's trophy and everything like that. So that will be coming as well. And if you want to check that out and mentioned our Patreon, we are at patreon.com slash forever mighty. We're recording a pucks and brews fairly soon. We've got some interesting topics that will be on that show, including what we had planned for tonight of the logo, the best and worst logos in NHL history debate that Steven and Pat have been going on about for the last few days here so that will be being shifted to pucks and brews we also have the robin laner underpaid uh drama that uh, we already talked about that because pat and i went up uh went at it a little bit over that as well and uh we have a few other things it was a, a video of ken oh, ken holland put a video out there's like an interview he did about explaining his uh, additions in the off season and it's the the most gibberish i've heard from a gm in, in 30 seconds like he just <laughs> We'll play that on the show if you haven't heard it because it, it's great. But uh, that'll be a fun one, and obviously we'll we'll all be drinking on that one because it's Pucks and Brews. So if you if you want to check that out, if you like this show and you want to check out the bonus content, it's patreon.com slash forevermighty. But thanks for everybody who came out live tonight. Uh, thanks for everybody who's listening to this or watching this after the fact. If you are watching this on YouTube, I do know there's a video delay. We are working on it. We'll, we'll hopefully get that fixed for the start of the season. But appreciate all the support, guys, and uh, we will see you soon. There's a delay. <laughs> delay? All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. Oh <laughs>